0: The Spin is supported by NatWest. Why? Because NatWest loves cricket, the skills it teaches and the communities it creates, and want it to be easy for everyone to get involved. To find out about how NatWest is helping make crickets open to all, search NatWest Cricket. It's The Spin!
1: It's raining again today, Um, it's been raining quite a lot, I just got back from Hampshire where I spent an entire day waiting for South Africa to lose to the West Indies but they didn't because it kept on raining and so I just had lunch with Alison Mitchell. It's very nice. Chicken. It's always chicken in the press box. So, if you've been on a diet of eight hours of test match special every day up until now, and this is the first time you've had the chance to listen to us, then hello. Come huddle from the rain with us and we can all have chicken for lunch together.
0: It's the.
2: It's the.
0: It's the. It's the spin!
1: Welcome to the spin. What will we be worried about? England breezed past Bangladesh. Roy was magnificent. Butler was hitting sixes off one leg, and Jofra Archer looked like he owned the tournament. What could possibly go wrong? Pub quiz question writers were delighted this week as a professional cricketer finally won the French Open. And as Taunton High Street goes all out for the cricket, we'll create our own fantasy shopping centre. Welcome to Vic Marks and Spencer. It's the spin. I'm Emma John and this is The Spin, the Guardian cricket show that promises to be the zing bales of podcasts. Flashy, hotly debated and staying in place throughout the summer. Let's meet the guests joining us round the oval table today. We have Ali Martin, the Guardian's cricket news reporter and number one ticket holder of the Chris Wokes fan club. Anjali Doshi used to keep a scrapbook about Sashin Tendulkar, which must have been good practice for the Wisdom anthology on him she's since edited. And Felicity Ward is an Australian comedian and presenter of another cricket podcast, The Unbelievable Ashes, who once cancelled a family Christmas so that she could fly to the MCG to watch Shane Warne take his 700th wicket.
2: So, Felicity,
1: how was that?
2: Well, uh, it was devastating. So my sister and I cancelled Christmas. We had Christmas two days early. We're from New South Wales, which is a different state for those who are listening who are not aware of the... Uh, state structure of Australia. Anyway, we flew down, boxing day, first day, saw Shane Warne's first over, every ball, everyone was on their feet, everyone was like, ooh, every ball. And then the second over, we were like, all right, it's going to be a long day, it's a test match. So we sat down and I think it was like his second ball in the second over, something like that. My sister turned to me and said, Do you want a passiona? Which is a passion fruit soft drink that I hadn't heard of since the eighties? And I turned to her and said, What? And she said, Do you want and then eighty thousand people screamed and we miss Shane Warne getting his seven hundredth wicket.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it still hurts. It still hurts.
1: <laughs> and has the rest of your family forgiven you for, for cancelling the family
2: Christmas? Oh yeah, it's cricket. They get it. Oh, okay. They fully understand.
1: Oh that's all right. Then. Yeah. Well, first up I'm gonna pitch you guys an easy one so you can get your iron. I'd like to know who is your favourite and also if you're feeling brave enough, who is your least favourite cricket commentator? So Ali, let's start with you.
0: Okay, I'll go first. I've just got a point of order here. I'm I think I'm number two in the Chris Works fan club. I think George DeBell of Crick Info comes top, but If you show me someone that doesn't like the Wizard, I'll show you a liar. Uh,
1: (laughs) He's certainly winning us over this World Cup. I mean, anybody who wasn't a fan before.
0: Exactly. Right, my favourite... I'm going to go favourite commentator, but I'm going to shoulder arms to the one about least favourite, only because I've got to... You've got to work with them. I've got to work with these guys. (laughs) We
2: won't tell anyone, promise. (laughs) That's how podcasts work, right?
0: Yeah. I would say that my favourite commentator... We're talking all time here, but I think the voice that takes you to the place where the action is happening was always Tony Coe. Yet, broadcasting out of the Caribbean, and I'm glad to see that Fazir Muhammad has sort of carried on the torch that Tony's left, and um, doing a fine job as a sort of as a West Indies correspondent. But I am a bit of a sucker for a New Zealand accent, actually. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because the vowels are all in the wrong place and it, it <laughs> make, makes you hear. it
2: sucks. Wasn't yeah. that voted world's sexiest accent this year? Was it? Yeah, I know. I'm as shocked as you are. I feel like Brett McKenzie might have had a lot to do with that. Yeah, that's
1: fair. okay. Well,
0: there, there is no sexiness here in my answer, but Ian Smith, I think, is my number one. <laughs> <laughs> I find I think just a uh, shade ahead of Jeremy Coney, but I just think as a sort of avuncular voice, he's a passionate Kiwi, but he's not one-eyed at the same time. So he's, uh, I, I think he's, I think he's the man.
3: That's a lovely choice, uh, Angeli, What about you? <laughs> so I'm going to start with the person that I grew up really enjoying listening to and that was Jeff Boycott um, because we'd never heard anything like his accent in India you know the Yorkshire accent and you know calling Saurav Ganguly the prince of Calcutta and talking about his mum and all of that and it was just very entertaining unlike his batting Um, but then I kind of grew older and wiser and then I have to say that now I really enjoy listening to Michael Holding. He is the coolest man in cricket. Fabulous also a lovely human being, which doesn't hurt.
1: What about you, Felicity? Who's your favourite and then go to your least favourite? I
2: didn't actually have a least favourite. Ah. I really, I, I just love hearing cricket. Mm. I don't care. <laughs> I just, <I'm, laughs> like there's people that I like more than others, but there's no one that I'm like, ugh. This person, I don't... Have you listened to Michael Clark recently? <laughs> okay, <laughs> actually, to be fair. I mean,
1: I've actually found listening to him exhausting over the course of this World yes. Cup, although it has given me a wonderful insight into what it must have been like to be in his dressing room.
2: Oh, brutal. I mean, well, Intense. So I haven't been able to watch any of it on television because... For some reason, and you've touched on this before in the podcast, the country that invented the game of cricket doesn't have it on Freeview, which I do not understand and find galling and offensive. Sing it, sister. Oh, my God. And why BT for ashes and then sky? Give me, just give me cricket. Anyway. Very upsetting. So I've been listening to it on the BBC Sports app and um, they need Shazam because I don't know who I'm listening to because they change (laughs) every 15 minutes. Um, But Michael, I had Michael Holding. He's my favourite all time. I just think I don't know if there's a better voice in the world that I want to hear. Like I think instead of a tax return, you should just get a little USB stick and it's got a recording of Michael Holding telling you how much you owe the government (laughs) For that year, for your yearly earnings, <laughs> I'm like sure, Michael. I'd pay that. <laughs> um, and then this is this is this is a childhood one for me. Even though Michael Colding was as well, mm-hmm. is Bill Laurie. He oh. just you never heard someone so excited about a game. It's like he actually played it. You wouldn't believe it. But he, it's, it's like
1: Christmas every day. Well, we've been keeping a track on the commentators uh, in this World Cup because um, we want to know how they're performing as much as oh. as the teams. And I can bring you up to date that. My favourite, Mike Atherton, still represented around this table with his empty chair, is still leading the commentator wickets table. He's taken 14 in the time that he's been on air. He's way ahead of Isha Gua with five. Ali Mitchell only has four. So he's still doing his part for England. He's (laughs) killing it. He is killing it. Before we go any further... This podcast would like to issue a full and immediate apology to Jason Roy, whose performance we discussed in the aftermath of England's game against Pakistan. It is possible this podcast gave its listeners the impression that Mr Roy did not have a big tournament temperament, <laughs> was on the verge of choking and couldn't handle adrenaline. We have since come to understand that J Roy can do whatever he likes with his adrenaline. Having said that, Ali, mm. should he have scored 200 against Bangladesh? Why?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 there was adrenaline there, wasn't there? He got to hit those- first three balls for six and you thought well you know how many times has that opportunity come up in your lifetime to go for all six and uh, it probably did just get the better of him a little bit but I think that's actually the beauty of Jason Roy and I think it's the beauty of the way this England team play is that they don't uh, I don't think they put too high high a price on their wicket or certainly in terms of their individual output it's about what the team needs and if, if Jason Roy decided in that moment that bowler has to go That bowler has to go. And all right, he didn't pull it off at the time. But when you've got 153 runs to your name or whatever it was, then uh, you're not doing too badly. It was encouraging to see, actually, because as you say, I mean, obviously, Champions Trophy two years ago, he had a tricky tournament. And then he had a bit of a shocker at Trent Bridge. Um, So I think he and England pretty much reasserted themselves, albeit against Bangladesh. But nevertheless, you know, back to winning ways.
1: Yeah. We also had the incident of Josh Butler's hit another man who was hitting some big sixes. But uh, in this case, hitting one so big that he actually injured himself, which is pretty new, I think, for an England team to (laughs) to injure themselves hitting sixes rather than... I think in the old days, wouldn't Chris Old would sneeze and crack a rib or Derek Pringle would stuff envelopes and give himself a back spasm? Isn't isn't that how England used to get injuries?
0: Exactly. But I mean... To be fair, that shot from Joss, it was unbelievable. It was, a, it was a sort of back foot punch, you know, straight back over the bowler. And you can see how he has sort of contorted his body to get into the position just to play through the line of the ball. So uh, you can sort of see how it happens. The good news is, by the sounds of it, he's going to be resuming training with the rest of the team as per normal ahead of the game against West Indies. And so um, I don't think uh, we have to worry too much and that James Vince can probably uh, carry on mixing the drinks for a little bit longer.
2: That's sad for James Vince. Sorry, James Vince. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry, mate. <laughs> I hear you although, make a mean cup of tea. The J squad are sort of really firing for England. So, you know, James, Vince might just have a chance. I mean, Joss Butler, Joe Root, Johnny Burstow, mm. Jason Roy,
0: Joffra. Jofra this is Archer. amazing.
3: This is a pattern I hadn't remotely picked up on before, Anjali. That's a very good point. Did you manage to see any of Jofra Archer's spell? Was it his first game that he took three wickets? Um, yes, I did. Did watch that. I didn't watch him in the game against Bangladesh, but I mean, he's amazing. That run up and just how sort of smoothly he bowls and. Oh. He's brilliant. I think it was Mark Wood who said it's unfair that it's so easy for him. I actually got really frustrated because Joffre's opening spell in that
1: England-Bangladesh game didn't really get featured at all on the Sky Sports highlights. For some reason, the Sky Sports decided that what people really wanted to see was Shaqi scoring fours and other Bangladesh batsmen getting kind of streaky runs to the boundary.
0: That is what the people want, but <laughs> it did. Streaky
2: runs to the boundary. Ban- <laughs> it's on all the banners.
0: Joffre's opening spell, he did it did provide me with about 700 words of material for a sidebar to sit alongside Andy Bull and Vic Mark. So I was, I was quite pleased that, uh, that he was bowling and bowling so fast as well. I mean, I think that dismissal. Of uh, oh, no, I'm gonna how am I gonna pronounce it? It's Sumysharker.
1: I think we've decided on this podcast that it's actually Shumyashaka, although okay. NASA Hussain insists on calling him Sumysharker. I'm gonna bow out of that one.
0: <laughs> I think, well, you were talking him up before in the last podcast. That yeah, well, right. yes. that's correct. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, there wasn't much he could do about that ball. It was just sort of slanted one across him. Nick just fell short of Joe Root. If you're being generous, or he could have got a bit forward if you're not. Um, the follow up delivery, a little bit fuller, zips in off the seam pings the top of the off stump and then flies over the boundary for uh, you know on, on the full which was you know it's an incredible bit of bowling an incredible opening spell England's fastest opening spell in one day cricket uh, in the sort of 13 years that they've been actually logging every ball so has they-
2: like more records than usual, or is it just because it's World
0: Cup? It's a record record-breaking it's, World it, Cup. It, I reason?
2: mean, <laughs> it is every day. There's like it's the fastest fifty by an Australian, which we'll talk about. Like, um, yeah, like it's the slowest fifty. If you're no, talking, think, talking yes. about David Warner, I mean, uh, what? We'll get to that. I <laughs> will get to that.
1: Ali, you've been spending a lot of time with. Moeen Ali uh, interviewing him for The Guardian Moeen is writing a column for the paper all summer so how do you think he will have taken being dropped have you talked to him about
0: it I have had a, I've had a brief word he's just totally zen as you'd imagine <laughs> I mean that's just that's, that is thats the nature of Moeen he's just he's, he's never up he's never down when he's firing on all cylinders you, you wouldn't know it and likewise if he's down <laughs> in the doldrums <laughs> It's the same. I mean, he is just uh, so level. And I think that's probably how it actually helps him cope because he's, his, his form is so erratic, isn't it? That I think having that mindset really helps him. But I think he'll probably be pretty cool about this one, particularly because it was mainly a tactical switch. I think England always looking to go one spinner on that on the sort of shorter ground in Cardiff. I guess the question now, if he is to come back into the side, which you'd probably expect, and Owen Morgan likes having two spinners in the middle overs, someone's got to make way. It's going to be one of the seamers and I don't know. I don't know which way they're going to go on that. At the moment, we're a little bit far out from that. But if you're looking at it, I mean, Joffre Archer's done well. Mark Wood has done well. Liam Plunkett, even though he missed the game against Pakistan, which England lost, he came back in and did his usual job. Could it be Chris Wokes himself who has to have a breather? I don't know.
1: And how will you feel about that if it is?
0: I think I could cope. But, but I, I mean, I do.
1: Well, you've got a new best friend now. You've got Moe. I've
0: got Moe. Moen's he's on the payroll. isn't it? <laughs>
1: We haven't mentioned Shakib enough, possibly. I mean, we have mentioned him and the fact that the highlights loved his batting. But it, he did score 121 off 119 balls. And it actually made him the tournament's leading run scorer, talking wow. about records.
0: It was funny, actually, because, I mean, I mean, sort of the nature of the job is, well, as you, you, obviously, you're writing as the game is unfolding. And there are times when, you know, you've already set off on your sort of chosen path. Mine was Joffrey Arch, And I, I did turn to Andy Bull and I said... I said, should we be giving Shaqib a bit more love here? Should there be a bit more about him in in our coverage? And he said, well, this is the nature of Shaqib. He does these things and it just doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Mm. I don't know if it's, I guess it's partly playing for Bangladesh. I guess it's partly because he's just been a part of the furniture for so long. We're so used to seeing his sort of exploits with bat and ball that we take him for granted. But I think I'm right in saying that for the last 10 years, he's been the top three ICC all-rounders. Throughout, So, I mean, he is a quality cricketer. Maybe it's the nature of playing for Bangladesh, as I say, but he just probably doesn't get the attention his talent deserves.
2: Well, shout out to Shakib. If you're listening, mate, we see you. We think you're incredible. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he enjoys that. Let's talk about the India game against Australia. Mm -hmm. India
1: sauntered into this tournament late, and now they're frankly acting like they own the place. And in fact, at the Oval, they had so much support, they pretty much did own the place. Mm -hmm. Anjali,
3: you were there. Yes, and... It's amazing to see the Oval being a sea of blue and having, you know, the Indian drums, the dolls out there and everybody dancing and all of that. But it made me a bit sad to not see that many Australians. I think it was uh, Mel Farrell who tweeted something about how she counted 36 Mm. people in yellow and they were the stewards uh, at the Oval. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you know, as a sort of supporter of the Indian team and all of that, it's great to see that all of these games are like virtual home games for the Indian team. (laughs) Um, And I imagine it won't be any different in Birmingham when they play England.
1: There's also a lot of fans flying in. Rakesh Patel told us uh, in a previous podcast there are 11,000 flying in from
3: 23 different countries. I mean, it's crazy. But I just think it's unhealthy that the balance is skewed so heavily in India's favour in terms of crowd support. That made me a bit sad. You actually felt I was, some sympathy for I, Aussie fans? I oh, wow. did. I did because I was in a stand where there were two Australian fans, just the two. And then, of course, you know, when Steve Smith came on, I didn't know this at the time that, you know, Virat uh, Kohli had kind of apologised to, to Steve Smith and asked the crowd to sort of pipe down. But there were people behind me sort of shouting, cheetah, uh, cheetah, cheetah, And, and I, I kind of like I stood up and I was like, stop that. Just stop. Stop it. Um, You were the coley of your section. I was the coley of my section, yes. So much integrity. (laughs) I'm very surprised. I'm 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 just a nice person. (laughs) I believe that.
2: But when it comes to cricket, usually when people are nice people... That still gets put to the side when we get down to cricket.
3: Well, there was a line in a, a news report about how if Kohli is apologising to Smith, then India must be in a good place. I kind of yes. feel similarly. It's you know, easy it's to just be kind of agra- gracious yeah. when you win. It. Yes, it, yeah. that's
1: true. Well, Kohli was a bit of a, a hero in this game. He, he scored a classy 82 of 77. He captained very well. What do you think of, of his performance, Al?
0: I think he did very well, of course. Uh, and I thought I, it was interesting the trying to play down the crowd you know trying to sort of calm the crowd down trying to divert them away from Smith and he obviously spoke about it in the press conference afterwards There is a school of thought that you know people are paid the money they can do what they want really. Who is Coley to tell the crowd how they want to respond? That is another school of thought. I don't necessarily subscribe to it because I think I feel like the Smith thing's done really, and Smith and Warner. Let's just let them play. It it is done. And as for his well, especially if
3: Warner's playing as he is, let's just let them. Yes, exactly. It's their own punishment.
0: Um, And in terms of his captaincy, yes, I thought MS Dhoni did very well.
1: So Dhoni was one of your heroes of the match, was he?
0: Well no, not necessarily. I just I just you can sort of see how when in you're out in the field that Dhoni is kind of still running the show. Um which isn't a bad thing, Look, I mean he's he's a lot more Calm and level than than Virat, who's quite an emotional guy, uh, and also Virat's one of the best fielders. So there are times when he has to be placed out, you know, out on the deep um, because he's the best bet for it. And I think, and I, in fact, at one point I remember I saw Dhoni actually moving Kohli in the field, which you know, which kind of was, was pretty telling. I thought, but I think you know that's that's what your senior players are there for. MS Donny's a serial winner, isn't he? So why wouldn't you tap into that? Uh,
1: there were
3: plenty of other heroes in this game. Uh, Shikhar Dhawan, yes, and. Well, he's, he might be out for the next, well, he's definitely out for the next couple of games, but he might be out for even longer. Uh, and which is, is obviously because he took a nasty hit on the thumb? From a, a delivery from Pat Cummins. Um, so he's got a hairline fracture, I think it is. Um, so yeah, still waiting to hear how long he's out for. Are you uh, for impressed sure. that he batted through he's, that and um, score 117? Yes, that is incredible. He must have been on some serious painkillers, <laughs> but he is awesome for India in, um, especially in ICC tournaments. I think he scored over 1,200 runs in 20 ICC games across the Champions Trophy and the World Cup. Three World Cup centuries. Highest run-getter in the 2013 and the 2017 Champions Trophies. Um, highest run-getter for India in the 2015 World Cup. So, yes, this is definitely a setback for them. There
1: was at least one Australian hero for you, Felicity. There was, there was Alex Carey's 55,
2: one of these records we've been talking about. Yeah, the fastest half-century by an Australian in World Cup history. I thought we were going to be absolutely humiliated. By the time India had finished batting, it was. I just felt... Oh, I mean, I literally put it on Twitter can India please lay off? We cannot possibly do So I was I was actually relieved that we only
3: lost by what we lost. That margin was deceptive.
1: Yeah. The, the margin
3: was 36 runs. Yes. It should have been more like 80 runs or something.
2: Yeah, I don't know what was going on with Warner. He had 14 dot <sighs> balls in a row, and I understand wanting to play steady at the top and not, you know let the top order crumble so you know, and and leave it to the to the middle order. But I actually think that we batted okay and India were just the better team. Their bowling is beautiful, the batting is beautiful. When you get one of the opening batsmen out in India, then (laughs) you've still got two or three people that you're like Oh come on, mate! Give us a break. Like we're just trying to get back up on the scoreboard, if you don't mind. Um, so that was they were just they were a great team on the day, and I like seeing good cricket. I don't mind seeing Australia lose if it's good cricket, and so this was really good cricket. Again, I was listening because I had a, a cracking headache, but um, it <laughs> I'd sort of come to, and then I, I'm doing a play at the moment. So in like warm ups, I'm like checking the scores, going what. How, how is this getting worse? <laughs> <So> <laughs> how was, has David Warner not scored any more runs? Yeah, so it was, it, was, it was a great relief to get out of the play and go, oh, is that all? All right, well, that's not a hiding. <laughs> what do you think is going on with Warner,
1: Ali? Why is he batting so unlike himself?
0: I don't know. The beard looks like a cry for help, doesn't it? But I... Um...
1: <laughs> Says the man with the beard. <laughs>
0: well... <it's- laughs> A better one. <laughs> Let's be honest.
1: That's pretty well trimmed, I'm not right. going to lie. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you got a better strike rate than him
3: right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was I, it, I was it
3: something uh, like 20 overs worth of dot balls? 46
0: dot balls. Yes. Hoy! I just something. don't think they paced it very well. And I, mm. I, thought that there was a, that I think there was a couple of areas. So I think when Australia picked the squad, you could look at areas and think, well, they've got problems here, which is... The fifth bowler all-rounder they don't have, so they're trying to make it up with Marcus Stoinis, who's he's not a bad player, but you know they're trying to make it up with him and Glenn Maxwell. But they've also got one too many cloggers up in their order as well. So they've got Usman Khawaja, who was relegated to four because Steve Smith came in. Even when he came in, they should have sent Maxwell in. They should have sent the more attacking player in at that point. But they let it drift for longer, and Kawaja's never going to... I mean, he's, he's, he's not bad in the power play, but the minute he's not opening, he's probably not worth his place in the team. Hmm. So I think they're just, Australia are just lacking a little bit of firepower down the order. And also, I thought there was a,
2: Apart from Coulter Niles pulling out a 90 the other day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every dog has its. Oh it? come the, um, on! No, but. Jeez Louise! Somebody a, said
2: to me the other day, <laughs> if Coulton
1: Elsie answers to your question, then you're asking the wrong question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they also, the, and the other thing was, is they India have only got five bowlers as well, and they've they've got Keda Yadav who which sends down those sort of weird sort of uh, UFO moon ball things out the side of his hand it's very odd but they basically let Pandia bowl his full set of 10 without really taking the attack to him which meant that they had all the work to do against you know Bumra at the end who as we know is a death specialist so it was just I thought it was a, a pretty tactically flawed approach to the chase um, I think Warner was part of it and I think I'd like to think that if England were going for that chase that you'd People like Roy and Best, they would probably try and break the back of the chase early mm. to give the guys at the back end less to do. But Australia seemed to be timing it the wrong way, I thought.
1: with Theresa May officially stepping down as Prime Minister last week it appears the crown for most stubborn clinging on to their position (laughs) must now pass to the zing bales the electronic bells that light up like Christmas when they're hit have refused to be dislodged by the ball hitting the stumps on five occasions now during this World Cup and England are the hardest done by it's happened to both Adil Rashid and Ben Stokes how do we feel about these stumps everyone Uh, Actually,
3: well I I was just saying um that it's got to happen to India because then something will happen. <laughs> uh, it's got to affect India in some way and then you'll see something happen. You see, about then, this. then the and, bails will get changed instantly. Yes. Um, and of course, uh, Jaspreet Bumrah, he hit the stumps against David Warner and the bales didn't fall off. And then I think Finch and Coley spoke about it in the press conference after. The ICC, of course, has said they're not going to do anything about it. But I'm just waiting for the BCCI to sort of just... Push their weight on this because Um, they're the universe boss. Exactly, Mm
1: -hmm. Ali. How do you feel about them?
0: How do I feel about them? (laughs) 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 You don't feel. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm pretty relaxed about them. I mean, it's not. It's not great, is it? I mean, you know, that's there's five instances of wickets. You know, you do get incidents where the ball does hit the stumps and the bail doesn't come off. So isn't that's not uncommon. But clearly, five. As we've seen, I think one of them was uh, Chris Gale when Mitchell... I think he was actually given out court behind, which was overturned. He just trimmed that off stump, and the bail didn't come off. And when Mitchell Stark is not removing the bail, mm. you know, a bloke who bowls sort of 92, 93 miles an hour, yeah, there's a problem, isn't there? But they sort of steadfastly refusing to do anything about it.
1: They are heavier than the regular bales. Apparently they're not as heavy as the heavy bale that um, is used when there are high winds, but they are actually heavier than the normal test match bail, let's say. What?
3: Well, because you have to have the batteries in them for the lights to go off, right? So that's yeah. what makes it heavier. And is it plastic?
2: Because I've seen them light up. So surely there's a, there's a plastic covering at some point. Yeah, kind of see-through plastic, I guess. I mean, what is this, the 80s? Like that? <laughs> this isn't back to the future. This is this is why I can't watch Big Bash cricket. I mean, why are there fireworks? Why are there cheerleaders? I, why are there musical stings? I get very upset and cricket bales that light up. I'm like, no one is tuning in for that. No (laughs) one's like, look, I didn't mind cricket, but those bales are lighting up. That's tipped me over the edge. Let's get on down. This is great. You're going to love this topic then, Felicity, because I was going to
1: ask you, other than disco stumps, what are cricket's best or let's face
2: it, worst fads? I'm a massive fan of Hawkeye. I find it a deeply satisfying thing to watch uh, my eye has never been great for LBs. It's just beautiful animation too. I, don't, I find it very <laughs> soothing. I think if I had to have like a, a visual meditation app, that would be it. just the image of the projected white ball going down and then just hitting the stumps. No cricket. Ah, at- oh, Lovely stuff.
0: <laughs> lovely stuff.
1: Ali, do you have any favourite fads, things you miss?
0: Uh, I was thinking about this. I certainly don't miss it, but the one that sprung to mind was the super sub. Do you remember this? Yes. This was, this was about a 10-month experiment where... Every team got to nominate a 12th man who could yeah. be brought into the team and it just completely skewed the toss it completely it made it it made the game completely unfair if you lost the toss you basically lost the game because you were it was 11 v 12. You
1: got any idea who the very first super sub was?
0: I do know the answer. To this
1: uh thing. I'll let you answer it then.
0: Okay, it was Vikram Selanki.
1: Yeah. In July 2005. Guess what part he played in the game? Absolutely none. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Angela, have you got
3: any favourite? The sort of player fad that I just thought was bizarre was... Adam Gilchrist uh, stuffing a squash ball into his glove in the 2007 World Cup final. I thought that was just hilarious, and then he holds the sort of glove up after he gets to a century. Nobody else picked that up.
1: I mean, we don't we don't know how kids going
3: in and no.
1: to the JJB Sports asking for squash balls. One along with
2: there. One of the other things that I've spoken about this uh, repeatedly and at length since 2014. I had about five minutes of it in my stand-up show. Watermelon hats are still my favourite thing <laughs> that have ever happened to cricket. I think. Think. They're, they're, actually, we've had a we've had a long history with watermelons in Australia. In that, when bringing alcohol to the stands got banned, we went through a phase. I'm sure they still do it of vodka watermelons. So people wouldn't bring alcohol in, but they would inject vodka into their watermelon and then they would cut it up in the stands. And all the security <gasps> thought they were just eating watermelon and they were getting rat faced. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone just thought,
1: oh, cricket fans just got this real thing for watermelon They just—they right re- just
3: love their five a day, mate. Well, I might have to pass this on to fans in India who yeah. can't drink, you know, in the stadiums unless you're in sort of some sort of fancy and corporate it's very box. Very refreshing. Yeah, this could work. Well, it's very hot in India, so I know it could work. I
1: think my favourite fad that disappeared and, and really has never come back was the mongoose bat. Stuart Law called it a half brick on a stick and it was a bat that um, Matthew Hayden used it in the, used when it the in IPL just started. Yeah. And it was a bat that was, uh, I think, a third of the length of a normal cricket. That would Blade. look ridiculous on Matthew Hayden yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> and a really long handle. <laughs> and it was supposed to, it was going to revolutionise cricket because you, you could hit the ball further, it had more power. I don't know how long it lasted, but...
0: It did, it came and it went, didn't it? But, but for no obvious reason why it went, if it was as good as it was cracked up to be. I mean, Marcus Triscothic used one as well.
1: Yes, um, well, didn't, didn't they sponsor him? And they said they would give him a million pounds if he cleared the Lord's Pavilion.
2: Why would you use Mongoose as your icon Like, that's not a good mascot. Is it because they are long and thin and have long necks? Is that... They're like know. a weasel, aren't they? I think maybe that's what it, why it was called that.
1: I
0: was thinking it's of a moorhead. Got
2: a long... <laughs> yeah, I, think I think a mongoose is like a stoat or a weasel. or It's not like an animal that you're like, yeah, that'll get him. Oh, apparently a mongoose was, is known for its ferocity, I'm told. So
1: is the honey badger. But that's got a bit more <laughs> to it as a name. It's a honey badger bat. Don't forget you can tweet me at M underscore John or email us, thespin at theguardian.com. I'd like to thank Cornsey for getting in touch to tell us that Chesterley Street has the lowest average rainfall of any English or Welsh test ground other than Lords, I feel that's definitely something you worked out during a rain delay, Cornsey. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all your messages. Keep them coming. Still to come, why it's not easy being an umpire and cricket comes to the high street.
0: When Utoxeter Cricket Club had to leave their beloved grounds of 60 years, it looked like it might be the end for the area's only club. Enter NatWest Cricket Force, an initiative created to support community clubs across the country. They help them make a new home in a former cricket ground, breathing new life into the space and the team. Why? Because NatWest believes cricket should be easy for everyone to play. It's paired up with the Guardian Labs to tell more stories about experiences like these. Read them at theguardian.com forward slash NatWest dash cricket. This message was paid for by NatWest.
1: This is The Spin, the Guardian's cricket podcast during this epic World Cup and Ashes summer. I'm Emma John and my guests are Ali Martin of The Guardian, journalist Angeli Doshi and Aussie comedian Felicity Ward. Before we get on to our next discussion, I'd like to congratulate Brisbane Heat cricketer Ashley Barty on winning the French Open.
2: Absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, almost well, literally unbelievable. <laughs>
1: It is an extraordinary story. Ashley took time away from tennis to find herself and get away from the intensity of life on tour. So she signed up and played a season in the Women's Big Bash. She finished with a top score of 39 from 27 balls, by the way. Um, She said in an interview after the final on Saturday that she attributed her rise from 623rd in the world to second to her 18-month sabbatical playing cricket.
2: Felicity, is that just showing off? I don't think it's showing off. I think it is an indictment on women's sport in Australia that many elite athletes in women's sport also have to have a second sport that they're also an elite athlete at. And they still manage to succeed in both, and they still earn half the amount of money. So you're like, well, well, cool, cool. Thanks for being twice as talented, but not being paid the same.
0: It is thought that specialism too early is a bad thing for sports people, and that it's no surprise that you get elite sports people who have continued in other sports as they've grown older. Um, so in terms of Ash Barty, I think, I mean, I think it's great. I, I think it's great. That there, I mean, there obviously are there is a hand eye transferable skill there, mm. isn't, isn't there, from tennis to cricket. Um, I don't suppose she was a complete novice when she signed for the Big Bash League. So, um, no, I think I think it's just a, a sign of a very talented athlete.
1: Why is it thought that it's bad um, to specialise too early in a sport?
0: Partly, I think it's because you just become too intense... Uh, with that sport, and I think someone like Steve Smith's is probably a, quite a good example of someone who doesn't have much of a life outside of cricket. Um, so I think it probably adds, you know, it helps gives people a bit of depth and perspective there, um, and also probably just the transferable skills. I mean, Josh Butler was, a, you know, was a very talented hockey player as a as a kid, and and you can see that in in the way he plays, those sort of wristy drives that he meets on the half volley I think you know are sort of heavily influenced by that
1: I suppose it's fair enough I mean uh, us spectators we're very often multi-sport spectators aren't we we're very good <laughs> at crossing over sports Angeli, do you cross what? over sports with your
3: spectating um, well tennis <laughs> and um, you know so speaking of cricketing uh, sabbaticals I think Roger Federer could really benefit from playing a season of a Ranji Trophy in India because you know he clearly has trouble winning the French Open which he last won 10 years ago and he might benefit from playing on dusty Indian pitches and that would help his game against spin and then who knows, um, next year he could... Finally, beat Rafael Nadal and win the French Open again for only the second time in his career. Uh, highly controversial
2: <laughs> point saying that Roger Federer
3: could pick his game up. Yeah. <laughs> what? He
0: first. Well, game. His, his,
3: his game on against sort of spin, yes. but definitely needs some working I on. I love that. What about Andy Murray?
1: I mean, Josh Butler has shown that you can bat on one hip, so maybe when he retires from tennis, he could. He could take a little season in county cricket.
0: I thought that Anthony Joshua should probably get in the nets and just for a bit of bobbing and weaving against the short ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought you were going to say bobbing and weaving against Ben Stokes.
0: No, but another multi-talented sportsman is uh, is Jason Roy, who nearly signed for Harlequins rugby as a child.
3: Yuvrad Singh was a really good skater. Yuvrad Singh who announced his retirement from international cricket yesterday. Um, his first love was actually skating. And it was his dad who was a cricketer, Yuvrad Singh, who who did really wanted him to be a cricketer. Did he stop him ice skating? He, yes, he did. He oh. threw his skates away. I was going to I was going to use more strong language, but then I kind of just had to tone it down.
1: This is amazing. For you first podcast. say It's kind
3: of the Billy Elliot of cricket. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: I want to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the speed! As umpire Joe Wilson found out on Saturday, it's a tough gig standing in this World Cup. As Jason Roy was setting off for the run that would bring him his century, he was too busy looking at the ball to notice that he was running headfirst into Wilson and he ended up charging him to the floor. But at least everyone was nice to him in the aftermath. Other umpires have fared worse. Michael Holding, angelie's favourite commentator, actually Felicity's everybody's favourite commentator, He described the umpiring in the West Indies versus Australia game as atrocious as Chris Gale was given out wrongly three times in the space of little more than an over. And the third and final time, of course, was off a delivery that should have been a free hit because Chris Chris Gaffney Gaffney. had missed a blatant front foot no ball. Jason Holder also had two decisions against him overturned in that game. And yesterday, there must have been six inches, by my estimation, between the ball and Quentin de Cox's bat when he was given out by the on-field umpire, which was another mistake that was overturned. Turned on review. So, Ali, what have you made of the umpiring so far in this World Cup?
0: I, I love the name Chris Gaffney. It's sort of nominative determinism there. <laughs> you know. He's just there is a gap. There's always a gap around gaff around the corner. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the West Indies one certainly jumped out. But I, I did feel that West Indies they lost a bit of perspective there because they were you know sort of railing against the umpiring decisions. They wouldn't be in this World Cup if it wasn't for an absolute stinker that went against Scotland in the qualifiers. Um, but being only a, a qualifier, they weren't allowed to, they didn't have DRS in place. So they are here very much by virtue of an umpiring howler. So maybe they need to suck it up a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't say that to their faces. They're massive, aren't they? They are, yeah. the, the, they are the big, I can't think, They're I've really never seen a mate. bigger team. So I, yeah, can we delete that? Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Wh- I, I What's your say- address again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say it is a healthy reminder to captains and players that reviews are pretty precious. And that you, yeah. you, you, you cannot you stop gambling. Just stop gambling. We saw the England-Pakistan game. England, I think they... I think Joffre Archer uh, used up a review early on uh, with a clear inside edge that was never going to be given LBW. And then Jason Roy, first wicket to fall, burned a review there. Now, England, they didn't actually have any howlers go against them. But had they, you know, that, there's not much... You know, the human error is going to come into it. You've got to... You know, the umpires have got a pretty tricky job out there. Albeit, Chris Gaffney... He really should have spotted that Mitchell Stark front foot, but no ball. That was uh, that was Muhammad Amir territory, wasn't it?
1: There's some there's some there's some sort of suggestion I think at the moment that the umpires aren't looking for that because they've got so much else to do. Bless them, they're so busy they're not
2: really looking out for the no Mitchell balls. Stark's back foot was nearly over the line. <laughs> Felicity, would you have made a good umpire? No, I don't think so. I'm not observant at best. I, especially when if I'm enjoying something, I can be hit with something in the head. I'm like, no, I didn't. I was just enjoying the game, especially cricket. If you love it so much, how can you pick them apart? Look at them all trying so hard. They're having a great time. I've got to say, this, this is my thing about Paul Rifle, who's,
1: I've said it before, but he's my favourite umpire du jour, because he just always looks like he's
2: having a great time. Even when he gives somebody out, or when he Which sees a great six. not how he was when he was playing. He did not have a happy demeanor when he was on the field.
1: Interesting. So maybe he's actually found his dream job now. Yeah, just Whereas- judging his peers.
2: <laughs> Lovely stuff.
1: <laughs> Anjali, do you think DRS has made it harder for umpires?
3: Well, yeah, it makes their errors look pretty awful. Um, You know, Ian Gould had one um, in the India-Australia game where Steve Smith was ruled not out and then he was LBW. Um, So I think, yeah, it does make it harder for them, but it's much better for the game. So thank God for DRS. Do you
2: think, though, that because of DRS... No, this is not fair. Look... Pre-DRS, yeah. obviously there was a very rigorous umpiring process. Do you think there might be an element of umpires not having to work quite as hard because wow. they know there's DRS? I'm Controversial. Not saying it's, they're, they're just not like their off the gas. I'm not saying it's a conscious choice, but there might be a little bit of you've got to say back if you in know. the old day you just had to be on everything. And now there's like...
1: I would say on the other side, Ali, you've now... Your mistakes look really bad because everybody sees them both in the ground and at home and and it's pretty humiliating to have to overturn it.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, part of it came in because you had the audience at home having all the replays at their disposal and and seeing the injustices unfold and, and there being no comeback. So... There's possibly an element of the safety net about it that you know, that it just that it probably relaxes. And I think I certainly in terms of front foot no balls, I think that is influencing it heavily. They're just thinking, well, you know, if I miss it and, and something does happen off this ball, it will be picked up in the replay. So I think it's definitely been good for the game. I think we've probably just seen a little blip, a little anomaly. and I go back to the human thing. This is not just a World Cup for the players, it's a World Cup for the officials as well. You know, this is mm. a career highlight for them. They're gonna feel a lot of pressure to get things right call me a big softy, but I just think you know human error does come in and and that's what DRS is for so captains stop gambling
1: I wonder if they all love being third umpire I always think it sounds really (laughs) like a really lovely job and when you sort of hear the third umpire when it goes to the DRS when the third umpire said to the uh to the TV people, Simon, it's uh, it's the third umpire here. I just need to get a decision. <laughs> I was like, they know who you are.
3: Can anyone explain why they say, "Can you rock and roll that for me"? Uh, uh, that, I, 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 just, I just, I just don't understand. Because that. it's cricket; it's the only time they'll possibly <laughs> sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> but most of that, well, when Darmasena says, "Can you rock and roll that for me?", he does not sound cool. None at of them all. do. They oh. all just sound like dads trying
2: to get into a discotheque. <laughs>
3: I was
1: in Taunton for Afghanistan's game against New Zealand and they have really gone all out for the World Cup. The whole high street was blocked off and pedestrianised so that people could play sort of cricket-related games. And all the local businesses had really got with the programme. It was really great. Everyone had put cricket gear in their shop windows, including the hairdressers. And the one I thought was most impressive was the bridal shop, (laughs) which was just brilliant. Although maybe it makes sense because, you know, brides wear whites anyway. So I was wondering... Can we create the ultimate cricket-themed high street? I mean, I really started having this idea because, famously, there was a one-test wonder for England called John Lewis. Never (laughs) knowingly underballed. Boom, there it is. (laughs) Does anybody have anything they would like to see on their ideal cricketing high street? I've got a TK Maxi Walker.
0: I had uh, Moeen Aldi.
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: And I'm wondering
0: if he can be paired with Little Rashid. It doesn't quite work.
3: I was thinking of uh, Chris Gales, you know, the the coffee shop Gales. Um, Yeah, I I mean,
1: other department stores, I was thinking House of Angus Fraser. I I would feel very comforted shopping
2: at House of Angus Fraser Maybe that's all it needed, a pun. Maybe that will stop the collapse of <laughs> its department stores.
1: Maybe all it needed was a great 90s England bowler. Andy Bull actually texted me one yesterday. He said, you could get your hair done at Donian and Guy. <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> well, this sounds like one we need to set as a challenge for the listeners. So please do get in touch with your best cricketing high street puns. That's it for this episode. When we return, England will have faced the short ball brutality of the West Indies pace attack. And that is the most retro thing I've said so far on this podcast. Jeff Lemon will be making a return alongside comedian Ian Moore and novelist Camilla Shamsi. And so to make sure you don't miss that or any of the episodes to come, please hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and it's just left me to thank our guests Ali Martin, Angela Doshi and Felicity Ward and to say goodbye.
0: The spin is supported by NatWest. To find out about how NatWest is making it easier for everyone to get involved in cricket, search NatWest Cricket.